I've got a message for you, and you're not going to like it. Pray for death. All right, get ready. Get Are pumped. you ready? Get pumped. You think you're ready, but you're not ready. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Completely honest. Are you ready? I don't know if I'm ready. You're ready. Okay, I'm ready. I just want to know if they're ready. Are you ready? Because this is low level rage. Oh yeah. Really drew that one out. I love it. Yeah. It's dramatic. You know, I just noticed for the first time um, on our theme song, Totally Wired, which uh, Marky e. Smith himself has personally given the double thumbs up to. He's, he's endorsed it as, uh, he's like, hey, that's great, guys. Thanks for using my song. I'm honored. That's what he said in an email to me. Uh, he Weirdly, said, the email was written on a bar napkin. <laughs> I just he, he, he wrote it on a bar napkin. And then took a picture on a, on uh, with a, a Polaroid and scanned it and sent it to me. Really, his assistant scanned it. Yeah, it said, uh, "Hey guys, love the show. Thanks for using my classic song, Totally Wired. Best wishes, Mes. XO. XOXO. He sounds kind of phlegmy on that song. Like a little phlegmy." This time when he's saying like totally Because he drank a jar of coffee and then yeah. ate those pills. And these pills. So he took some of these. Yeah. Yeah, so that was our theme song, Totally Wired, from uh The Falls. Uh I, I give it I'll give it a, a an A minus album. Grotesque after the gram. Wow. Room for improvement. Before that, Destroyer with Street Hawk Two. And that's from the CBC Radio 2 set from, I believe, April 10th, 2006. How are our levels, by the way? Good. Good? Okay, cool. Let's check them. I'll check them again. Yeah. I'm fiddling. I'm fiddling when I shouldn't be fiddling. Um, and then starting us off. Still my favorite band, I think. It's a close call at this point. But I think Wire are still my favorite band, for those of you keeping track. Uh, and that was Lowdown from their debut album, Pink Flag. And this is the music show. We're going to talk about music. If you want to talk about music that means a lot to you, you should contact us on Skype at Low Level Rage pretty much at any point. We're just going to talk about music that is important to us for a variety of reasons and why it's super rad. And you are more than welcome to join, and we hope that you will. We have uh, an hour plus of music planned. It's unlikely we'll get to all of it. But uh, suffice to say, we have plenty to talk about. So basically, if you want to call in, put up or shut up. Wow. 
bring your A game. I want you to have your genres down. I want you to know the band's uh, discography. Whatever band you're calling on to talk about, you better know it inside or out. Inside and out. Or out. Inside or out. Out's fine. All around. I saw a CD cover once of up, this band. Up and down. I'm just kidding. Just call in and talk about it. It's fine. No, I don't. I don't know anything about most things. Yeah, I, well, I, I we, we we've talked about this in the past um, a little bit, not on the air, I don't think, but like, what one of my only skills? I don't think that's a skill, like talent. I would say talent's like a thing that you're kind of. Uh, it's a gift, Tim. Let's gift, be honest. Yeah. It's just like picking up minutia about rock music that I don't even necessarily want to know, but it just sticks there, like. Taking that, up valuable brain space. Right. That's what it feels like. Because it's not useful information other than looking like a know-it-all at a party. One piece of our program was sitting on my headphone yeah, cable. put something, uh, a prop. We're going to do some prop comedy for you, some radio prop comedy. Yeah, get ready. Um, yeah, so uh, before we get to the music talk... We got a bit of uh, low-level news to get to. You know, as they say, no news is low-level news. Wait, that's... No. Um, uh, low-level news. It's not no news. There we go. That's pretty good. Low-level news. It's not no news. Good. Okay. Perfect. So, yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm taking a bit of a break from Twitter. I think a week-long break is my is my goal. I was uh, inspired by. Uh, I, I, I think of him as a webomic, which is short for webcomic, but not like a comic strip, like a comedian. A webomic. So, so a webmedian. A webmedian. 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 Um, because all his best jokes are on the internet. I was inspired by his summer, summer Twitter break. Um, and then afterwards, I will be doing a series of interviews with the New York Times, the Washington Post. The and, National Enquirer. Yeah. Well, they're in line. Uh, I don't know if I'll get to them. Oh, but they'll get to you. Oh, God. I don't like that. That's a threat. That's how they roll, man. It's going to be a really profound uh, period for me. I think I'm going to learn a lot about myself. Um, Just really, like, take this opportunity to appreciate the world around you and well, live in the moment. I feel like people, I feel like uh, at times Twitter takes me for granted. Like, Tim will always be around. There will always be an, an at Oakland Tim. You know, that's not true. I'm mortal. Not this week. No. Maybe never again. Maybe I'll just never go back to Twitter. But then how can you do your interviews? Yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's item one. Uh, item two... My computer's making a funny noise. Okay, so here's the thing. I have a laptop, and uh, you know there's the part where like the where the heating, uh, the cooling element is? It's making like a crackly noise. Like a, like a crackle. Oh, see, I thought you were going to talk about the part where sometimes you open it and it jo- just goes, No, that's a different thing. Yeah. It's got a whole, yeah. For like 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, it's for a long time. I have to turn it off. Uh, it'll, it'll stop. Um... So yeah, if you got it, that's a piece of news. Um, if you if you have any advice, so it's like a, it's like a, it's like a crackle. It sounds like paper, kind of like a, maybe like paper that's on fire. 
Sounds a little like paper that's on fire. Does it smell like paper that's on fire? No. No, it's, it smells fine. I thought there was something. That means it's a ghost paper fire. I thought there was something rattling in there at first. So I like shook it a little bit, which you shouldn't shake your computer really ever. It's like, wow. Yeah. Never mind. Um, third item. We will be taking a break next week. There'll be no show. We will be in the woods. Mm-hmm. I don't like how I said that at all. <laughs> Gonna have to be in our own woods tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going camping, so we can't really. Uh, if we could do a show from the campground, broadcasting live oh, from such a good idea. the kettle moraine. I, I honestly kind of want to do that now. Just put the the phone up and broadcast. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna think about this. If it's possible, we might do it. I can't. It'll be if, super weird yeah. if we can. Right. Uh, you guys will have to maybe weigh in on if you want weird. Or maybe we don't care. Maybe we'll do it anyway. Right. Item four. That's item four in low-level news. Low-level news. It's news you can use. Um, I got a birthday present from my dad in the mail. I don't know what it is. It's from, uh, it's, it's in, it's from the Amazon.com. That's not an endorsement of Amazon.com. Uh, if they want to endorse the program, they have to give us... I think we said $10,000 is the minimum for a uh, corporation's endorsement. Something like that. It feels like it's it's like that, that package style where it's it could e- be either be like a DVD or it could be a small book. Um, so not like a, you know, not like a Tolstoy or a Tolkien or a Rand. Not a tome. It's not a tome. Uh, so I thought I'd just open it and see we can see what it is. If it's something inappropriate, which I, God forbid, my dad's a respectable guy. That would be weird. Yeah. I'll just, here, I'll get the good. I'm going to get the. I'm going to use your mic for this. Accidentally. There we go. Chaos. All right. It's, it is a book. Showing it to Lauren. Oh. Showing it to Lauren before I tell you the rest of you. And it is uh, Wolf in White Van by John Darnielle. National Book Award long list. It's a really nice cover. Oh, yeah. It's a very well-designed cover. It's maze-like. It's a maze-like design. So you can tell my 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 my, cam- my family is very cultured. I was gonna say my family is very cultured, which is not sensical. Can I read that thing when you're done with it? Yep. Well, yeah, yeah, you can. Don't you hold out on me. Thanks, Dad. I love you. That was a sweet moment right now. Right, right then when I told my dad that I loved him. So yeah, that was yeah. low-level news. Low-level news. That's it. The news low-level you news. can't use. Low-level news. The news you can use. Can't use. Low-level news. The news you can't use. Low-level news. It's not no news. Those are the two slogans for low-level news. 
But yeah, so um, we listened to two songs earlier. One by Destroyer and one by Wire. Do you want to talk about Destroyer a bit now? We can. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I, maybe I should say, like, when I, th- I think when we first met, they were a band that we... Maybe it took a little while for you to talk about them. I'm sort of hesitant to talk about Dan Bahar sometimes, which probably sounds weird because I know that a bunch of people that I know on the Twitter also like him, and he's much more popular now. But when I was listening to him a lot in college, it was not super common. And he was my favorite artist. Probably still is one of my favorite artists. Um, For over a decade, and it was a long road to hoe in terms of making people listen to something that sounded really off-putting to them. It's funny too. Because, so I don't usually yeah. bring it up. Well, it's funny too because like we talk about the fact that he has a uh, an unusual singing voice, um, which when I, I that's something that I tend to value in bands mm-hmm. that I like. Like I, if somebody has a, a traditionally good voice, it's usually like about twenty points off. Like I'm twenty points less interested if you sound like you ha- you have a pleasing pop star type voice. Yeah, I get bored pretty readily. Or even like a like a folk singer type voice. Like a, just a nice pleasing folk singer voice. Um, and I think he has a really nice, I think he has a really cool voice and I find it very like it, it like, you know, it sets off the ooh, this is, this is, this is good stuff and trigger in my brain. Yeah, and I mean for me the thing about listening to somebody like him who has a very distinctive voice for as many years as I have is that over time that very distinctiveness becomes very comforting. Yeah. That's the thing, especially with people who have, um, like, there's a couple people on Merge, especially, I think, who have sort of non-traditional voices, but whom, like, someone like uh, Kurt Wagner from Lamb Chop like is not like a traditionally good singer in any sense, mm-hmm. really. Other than having like a pretty good range, surprisingly, he can sing falsetto pretty well. Uh, but like, he's somebody when you first hear him, like, "Ooh, this is weird." This sort of slightly foghorny sounding, like uh, Tennessee. So he's got like a little bit of a twang to his voice, and then eventually, like, I listen to like listen to them for about ten years, and I'm like, "Oh, it just immediately makes me like." Not feel comforted, but just sort of... Comfort's not the right word. It's kind of like... I know where he's you feel coming right. from. Yeah, it feels, feels correct. Yeah. Yeah, and, and certainly that is the case for me with Destroyer. Um, part of what's so exciting... Oh, the door just slammed. I gotta close the door. Be right back. Part of what's so exciting for me about his music still... Is that sorry? That was really weird. Um, is the fact that it's changed so much over the years? Um, the song that we played 
earlier I'm very I'm particularly fond of and that set in particular which I don't know if you can still get it on the inner tube I'm, sh- I'm sure it's out there somewhere from the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation yes our uh, friendly government broadcasters to the north our yes our, our, our brothers our uh, nefarious socialistic purveyors of media content how dare you well calls it like a season they brought us the set all yeah. is forgiven good point the the cool thing about this that set in particular or in general and street hawk 2 the song we heard in particular is that that song originally came off of sort of his breakout record mm. street hawk colon a seduction in 2001 which, you know, it's a guy doing piano jams, basically. I would say that album didn't just crash the charts. It smashed the charts. Thank you for your contribution. You're welcome. And it sounds a very specific way. It's not quite lo-fi, but it's pretty stripped down. That stands for low fidelity? By the time this CBC Radio 2 set happens in 2006, he has he is just about to release or has just released Destroyer's Rubies, the sort of second breakout record, which is basically Canadian rock band. Like, yeah. you heard it. It's big. Yeah. It's a rock song. And he reinvented several songs from earlier points in his production with this band and they're great street hawk 2 works great as a rock song it's also great in its original incarnation and in between those two moments he releases two records and an ep that all sound completely different your blues wasn't popular because i mean he described it as something absurd it's like european like old world ballad thing. I, I, I should look up the actual phrase because it's nonsense. But the record was very strange. No, three records and an EP. This night was super proggy. Your blues, and then the crazy jangly EP version of songs on your blues. Is that and the then one with frog eyes. Is that the yeah? And yeah. it's awesome. See, look, I got, I got. You got some, it. Some now, maybe it is only knowledge. two. And then Destroyer's Rubies. That's what I'm talking about right there. I listened to that album probably like once with you. I remember it's a Frog Eyes thing now. I don't know that forever. You will. Do I remember half of the things I learned in law school? That would be great, actually, if I remembered half the things I learned in law school. In fairness, I only pressed my face against the window while law class was happening and just tried to make out what's happening on the board. So, I, you know... You did pretty good for that. People say I didn't officially attend law school, but I was at all the classes. So really, who's to say what counts? Yeah, this is, it's, it's, like, there's, I feel like there are very few bands where I have like a decade-plus meaningful engagement with that band. Because usually it's like a couple years where I really love that band. Yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah. And with Destroyer, for me, it's it's weird. Um, 
Partly, I think, because each of his records is so defined and so defiantly different than the thing that has preceded it, it has been something that... I mean, literally, like, I started listening to him the first week of my freshman year of college, so basically my entire adult life Destroyer has been a part of it, and it's one of... Like, I don't do this with music, but with Destroyer, it's... I can benchmark parts of my life by when the records came out and when I got them and where I was when I listened to them and like what that period of my life felt like um yeah and you're because your engagement with with like your engagement with music as like a serious music fan of like pop music and stuff was kind of late compared right right like I should mention that I didn't listen to music that wasn't classical music until I was about 16 Which sounds a lot weirder than it actually was. I like, I like to imagine that you were just listening to, like... I was raised by monks. Yeah, like, no, just so you you would, like, pull, like, a real snob move whenever someone tried to, t- like, talk about rock music. As, like, a 12-year-old? Yeah. Oh, no, I only like Spanish Baroque. Ugh. Thank you. I'm sorry, is that... Is that Satie? Are you talking about Satie? Oh, you're talking about Husker Du? I don't. I don't know what that is. Is that a I mean, Husker Du? Is that a? Is that a? It, sorry, I, I, I'm trying to. I, that bit's not going anywhere. I'm done. Call it was. That, a, it was a good oh try. God, that was a real flame out. Only <laughs> the music for that. Here, this is the sound of of me trying to uh, make that joke land. Oh my god, that was so loud. Uh, I, just, I just dunked myself. Dunked ah, myself. and me. Yeah, and well. me. And the, the listeners. You're welcome. But yeah, I mean, I know that Destroyer is not as important to you. Well, no, no. I mean, He's not as important to most people. Um, I usually find, less so now, but I usually find that people who really like Destroyer, I always have something to talk about them with that yeah. isn't necessarily Destroyer. You have to be a sort of certain type of person, I think, to well to like something that is, you know, it's not like ostentatiously weird, but it's yeah. fairly weird. And if you listen to more than one record, it just seems weirder and weirder. Well, like the thing that I that I um, I used to get, I still have a problem with meaningfully engaging with music that's kind of like in vogue at the moment. Mm-hmm. In part because it's just, it's not the right time for me to figure out if I have like a personal thing with the music or if I have a meaningful sort of. Sure. Right? It's just, it feels sort of uh, complicated by the fact that there's like a PR buzz around it or, you know, people are listening to it who I don't respect. I just sound like the biggest jerk right there. Um, but that's the, more the former, more than just like whenever there's like a big like pitchfork media push for a band i'm just like i can't i don't know how to deal with this band or if it's i don't know how to take them seriously was there a destroyer buzz ever there was i think there was like around you know around when rubies came out i think he was kind of like uh like the hip thing to like for maybe a year or two Um, i get sort of weirded out by that and then what's interesting to me what's funny to me about that actually is that rubies was huge great record yeah trouble and dreams comes comes out in 2008 and according to Bahar, anyway, he felt that the reception to that record was 
at best lukewarm. And I personally, I think that Trouble in Dreams is a significantly better record. Better name too. Good name. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Trouble in Dreams is amazing. It may, might be... Well, I go back and forth. Every single Destroyer record is my favorite record at some point. Sure. That's sort of the sign of that a band is like the band for you, if that's the case, you know? Right. It sort um, of depends on, you know, my mood and the weather. But Trouble in Dreams... But yeah, Partly because yeah. of when it came out, but also just because I think it is genuinely a better record. Um, I, I bring up... And I should say, I bring up like the... the destroyer having like a really a very popular period because i feel like once a band has gone past that period and there's people who are still into it that's when you can kind of connect with those people on on the on the band and be like oh you listen to every album by this band and they're not even like the cool thing to like anymore right you aren't just someone who likes that one record right and this is i'm fine with being someone who just likes that one record yeah no i don't i'm not saying i'm actually not judging that at all it's just that I, I do have a thing with with bands, mostly things like Wire and The Fall and a couple other bands where it's just like I want to hear everything and I want to have a, I want to like engage with everything, and it's hard for me to explain to people who are just like, yeah, but I just like that one album, like why I want to do that. I'm right. Like, I mean, it's hard to take their engagement seriously and it's hard to value their opinions, which is super snobby maybe, but also is born of like different. Um different levels of engagement with something that you care deeply about that you feel will be undervalued by um, their sort of limited engagement. Or just like, it's, it's, I feel like somebody who likes the, the, the hit album engages with it maybe a little bit differently than somebody who's like, I'm in, I want to hear everything this person has to say. Right. Right. Like it's their, you know, it's their jam of the summer. Whereas like to you, it's this huge thing that fits into your life in more serious ways. We have a, a caller, uh, Greg, Greg, is it Greg? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a Greg. Okay. You're a Greg. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hi, okay. a Greg. You're on the air with low level rage. Oh, I just, uh, happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just wanted to know. So I came into destroyer. I, I, I liked them a lot and I definitely came in on that Ruby's wave. Sure. And there's not there's not much shame in that. No, I don't think yeah. so. I mean, you know, I, I I obviously I think as a lot of people came to him via the new pornographers. Yes, that's true. Absolutely. Uh, but so I actually think you know, and I've listened to, you know, several of their albums. Now I honestly think that Kaput is probably my favorite of them, and I want to know Lauren. As a longtime Destroyer fan, what do you think about Kaput? This is a funny question. Um, Tim likes that record probably the best. That is my favorite Destroyer album as well. Greg, um, we have something in common. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. It's I, so lush. It's great. I like it a great deal. I also, I mean, I love the fact that it's like white man boat shoe coke jazz music like listen to it on your yacht have you seen the video for the title track no i have not you should watch that at some point it's pretty it's pretty weird and good i want to i want to point out um just to make everything really confusing 
uh, shout out to my roommate who just said on Facebook that he's listening from the next room. Hi. Hey, Evan. Hey, Evan. How's it going? Welcome back. <laughs> Awkward. But I thought I had to bring it up because it's really funny. Maybe Evan will make a cameo appearance on the level rage. All right. Back to Destroyer Talk. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've just uh, thought about Kaput that, like, the only way to truly enjoy that album is in front of a fireplace with a snifter of brandy wearing nothing but a bearskin rug. See, that's funny to me because I definitely think of that one as a summer record. And you're saying you're saying Brandy and not Cavassier, to be clear. Greg, I, say, uh, I just I, I just want to maybe be, I want you to be real specific with the imagery here. Well, see, I think I mean Cavassier is what poor people think of as what rich people drink. Exactly, and I like that you said Cavassier. You you really. Uh, I, if you'd said it any other way, I would have hung up on you immediately. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. But Greg, did you listen to any Destroyer records previous to Ruby's? I mean, not when they probably, came out, but since since you became a fan. Probably the one I've listened to the most is Your Blues, which I enjoy. You don't pronounce it Your 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 Blues, like like a little short Your, like Your Blues, right? He's cultured. It's your. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't elide anything in the upper classes. I love aligning things. It's efficient. So you like you like the really big destroyer records, the ones that I are do. really aggressive and like weird in a sort yeah. of poppy way. I think I'm with Greg on this one. I love yeah, your I, blues. It was not popular when it came out. I remember yeah. like when it came out, people were very weirded out by it. And that that doesn't necessarily surprise me. It's funny too, because with Kaput, um, I like I never, I always thought of Destroyer as a band where I'm like, every time I hear it, I really like it. And I just never like delved fully. Uh, I never dove in head first. Um, but like when I someone just described Kaput to me, and I was like, well, that sounds like something I'd really be into. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, it sounds like it sounds like. Um, yeah, like the, the the boat shoe music is is accurate, but it's also like there is almost a uh, ethereal quality to the production, right? Like it almost seems like it's glittery at times, in a way oh, that yeah, I absolutely. right when I'm just like on a Destroyer album, really? Like I just couldn't I couldn't imagine it at first. It has a certain element of bravado in its production that has yeah. always kind of been there but that he just leans into completely on this record, I think, sort of for the first time. It fits his voice just shockingly well, too. Like, once you hear it, it's like, oh, yeah, it makes total sense. Like, Yeah. Because he has kind of an effete quality a little bit, which is very, uh, it's, a, it's a very, li like, likable and important part of his delivery, I think. You know what I mean? He's not, like, super, um, he, he's not a super masculine singer. No. Right. Right. Like, I think it, in that album, at some point, he uses the word negress in a way that I'm like... <laughs> of course. Like, like, I forgot you, about that. You can barely get away with it. Oh, yeah, it's... But definitely, this sickens me a lot less than it would with yeah. nearly anyone else. Yeah, because you imagine it's... he's just like, he's kind of just like holding a bottle of wine as he sings. 
then you can't well, really be that mad at him. No, but I think that that's about his very specific engagement with the United States. That song in particular, it's... What song is that? Um... I just remember he says harmless. Suicide, uh, suicide demo for Kara Walker. You know, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with you saying that word anymore. Okay, okay that's, that's, that's that's the last time. That's the last one you get. Got it. Yep, you reach your quota. He, I mean, and he like Bahar has a long history of thinking about and talking about his relationship with American culture and American history as a Canadian, but also I think specifically as a person, just for some reason specifically coming out of the way that he thinks about the music industry, I think. Which he talks about a lot more in, like, the late 90s and how he thinks it's very enervated and self-serving. But I think in particular he has problems with the way that American culture understands itself. Sure. I not think, yeah. not so much, though, as an outsider, as somebody who's kind of weirdly complicit. And I actually think that Kaput is about that a lot. And I huh. think that that's where the kind of tension you feel around using words like that solidifies. What do you think Zizek would say about Kaput if he were here? Honestly... Probably you more. you want this to be a joke, but like honestly, I think that he would probably find it fairly interesting. Oh, I bet he would too. Actually, yeah, I, I was sort of I I was using a jokey voice because I got a little a little low, but I, I I think you're right. He would probably spit a lot while talking about it and gesticulate wildly, which just you and me both, yeah, brother. It's the Zizek. That's the Zizek uh, seal of approval. If the room's not dry, Zizek's a happy. We're just going to move right on ahead from this. Greg, I'm glad that you like Destroyer. Oh, me too. They're a great band. Maybe he'll release another record sometime. Oh, that'd be neat. Anyway, I've taken NyQuil, so I'm going to go pretty much straight to bed. yeah. Go watch some uh, late night television and and get get weird. Huh? (laughs) Yeah, no. He's, He's already out. Bye, Greg. Night, night. This is nice because now I, now I feel like I think I said before the show I wanted to just listen to Destroyer all day tomorrow and I think I'm going to do that. Hooray! Um, but we th- can talk about Wire now. Yeah, I think it's um, so I it, like I I started listening to sort of uh, cool music at a relatively young age, which is how I thought about it at that age, right? Like, oh, I know you were this, a cool guy. I know this band and no one else knows them, right? Like that made me feel really special, which is. Something that, you know, I am I bring up only because if that's how you feel when you're, like, 35 or 40, that's yeah, kind of a problem. If you're 13, that's fine, right? Like, Yeah, I think that's acceptable. you got to move past that at some point. Um, Grown-ups. Right. Grown-up dudes. Grown-up white dudes. Take note. But so, like, uh, I had uh, my, fir- my fir- the first band I really loved, who we'll probably talk about later, who was kind of like a band where I was proud to know who they were was guided by voices and i think i was like 13 or 14 when i first listened to them I, i'm pretty sure it's 13 uh it's a band right yeah so we're, i'll go through my my i have like two or two good guided by, guided by voices stories are we gonna talk about them later should, should, i guess i should hold them should i hold on to them or, or i feel like i've already uh, let the cat out of the bag 
Uh, we could put that record on and talk about it. Yeah, let's just we'll skip, and we'll talk about wire. We'll in a do minute. wire later. Yeah, we're just gonna put on. So we're gonna put on just straight up in the background. The record under the bushes, under the stars, which Tim and I have very different engagements with, but I think fairly deep at this point. Turn it down, pretty quiet. There we go. We're also playing a game called "Is This Too Distracting?" Yeah. So if this is if this is too horrifyingly distracting, please let us know. Um, I should mention that this is literally the only record I have listened to in my car for the past three weeks. It's just on repeat. You win. You win. That's that's that that might be more the, the most that's more guided by voices than I've ever listened to in a row in one place. I'm pretty sure. Ha. But yeah, this is the first album I, I, I owned by them. Which I think what the way that happened was that I knew my brother liked them. I just went to the to uh Eoldi record store. I'll give him a shout out. Exclusive company. The uh The bed music's really quiet by the way. Is it? Okay, I'll turn it up a little bit. Um, it, it was uh, the exclusive company in Brown Deer, Wisconsin, which no longer, no longer exists. Um, and just like looked at the albums, and they all have like wacky covers because he makes them out of collages. And this one just like stuck out to me, and I, I picked it up, and it was like it was like kind of recent at that point, kind of. Um, and then when I first heard it, I was like, "This is bizarre." Like it just it didn't make any sense to me. Mm. Like, not in a bad way. Like, it was just like, I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite listen to it. Like, it, it wasn't even something I could wrap my head around because the production was kind of bad. And Wait, on this record? Yeah. Well, let's That's co- so funny. Compare this to, like, know. the average thing that a 13-year-old listens to. I like, know. I was listening to, like, Collective Soul the year before. Okay. Important note. Yeah. I didn't listen to Guided by Voices at all until I was 28 years old. Right. But that's, you know. So this is this is where sort of like the phenomenological experience Oh no, of this it's just repeating. All right, sorry. Comes from yeah. where you know, Tim can remember hearing it as a 13-year-old and for me it's like I'm a I'm an adult person. S- side note, if there is ever a low-level rage drinking game uh <laughs> T- times, times when the song repeats. Tim Tech mistake is at least a shot. It, it's just one shot because otherwise, I don't want anyone to die on my watch. Um, yeah, we'll come up with it at some point. <sighs> yeah, so it was a band where, like, okay, I, I, I my, my my dad was at one point in his life uh, a music critic for a prominent alternative le- weekly. That, that's actually like a very important. Uh, historical entity in Wisconsin and Milwaukee specifically. So, like, I was raised with like people who had very strong opinions about music. My brother has really good taste in music. My mom has good taste in music too, but she's not like the kind to recommend an album to someone necessarily. Um, whereas my dad would like always play like Mop the Hoople and the band and stuff that I still like a lot. Uh, but so, like, for some reason, I just felt like as at, at, when I started turning into a young teenager, it was just like. I want to know all the stuff that will make me, that will make me feel like that will sort of change the way I think about music. And I listened to this, and I was like, "Oh, these are clearly rock songs, but they're doing weird stuff. Some of them are like a minute long, which is just like 
that's not how long a rock song is. What do you what? Like that song we just heard. Yeah, it was a minute thirty. Right, ninety play. seconds. Minute thirty does everything it needs to do. It gets in, it gets out. It's done. Sure, like I can, I can imagine that this record feels real weird if you haven't heard things like Guided by Voices. Right. Which is why I think a lot of people hear them now and they're like, oh, it just sounds like indie rock. It's like, well, yeah, but... Also, especially listening to Guided by Voices for the first time in 2013, right, is like, well, duh, a lot of things sound like this now because this happened. Um, It's a seminal album. Um, It's a band. So, okay, so a couple good stories um, about Guided by Voices... Because really, deep down, I'm just a storyteller. Uh, when I a was a raconteur, I'm like, I'm it's like your a, metier. I'm like a Jack White. I'm a raconteur because um, he invented that word. I I went to like a, what I affectionately refer to as nerd camp between seventh and eighth grade in Chicago, and I'm from Milwaukee, so this was like a you know it was like going to camp, but you learn stuff and uh, hung out with other socially inept people. Um, I made a lot of friends and stuff, and it was great. But it was, like, a lot of very smart people who had very strong opinions but had no idea what they were talking about because we were all 13. Kids. Yeah. Kid opinion. And, like, I really loved Got It By Voices. At that point, I had started getting into the replacements, and, like, I listened to their best of all the time. Man, somebody was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I was pre- I-, I peaked real early, is what I'm saying, basically. It's been all downhill yeah. since then. Um, like, I just had my headphones on all the time until people that were my friends started just calling me headphones, like, to my face. Yeah, they weren't, like, plugged in, but they, they were, were just on. dangling, clearly dangling at my side. Um, but so, like, I remember there was this girl whose name I can't even remember. And we were friends for several years, but it's just the name sort of flowed out of my head at some point. Um, and she loved Pavement. And at that point, my, my two favorite, my three favorite bands were probably, like, Guided by voices, they might be giants in the replacements. And we were having an argument about pavement because I just didn't really care about pavement. Like I think I, I think I pretended that I had, I knew what it was. I knew my brother liked it, but I just was like, I'm just gonna say I don't like this band because I want to ruffle your feathers. And then she made the statement, "Well, there wouldn't even be a guided by voices or they might be giants without pavement." And I was just like, "What?" That doesn't even make sense. Chronologically. History is rewritable, Tim. And it was just like, oh, it was, it was like the first time I was just like, no, I, I know you you can't be right. You literally cannot be right about that. That does not make. Temporally impossible. It's temporally impossible. Exactly. Thank you. Oh. And looking back at it, I'm like, I was right. And she was, I'm, I still am a little mad at her for just making shit up. But I'm the one who made shit up that pretend to know anything about pavement in the first place. That's eh, cool. Who cares? Right. But we're only talking about things we like. Right. And the other funs, I, I still, I did like pavement for a long time. I still, I'm still on the whole positive, but yeah. Anyway. The fall are better. By a lot. Uh, the other good story, another early Tim pretension story. Is I'm just going to keep saying, uh, it's a band <laughs> for the rest of the show. But tell the story. Yeah. So I went to, uh, at some point I, I got like, I got a by voices t-shirt on the internet. I don't know how I ordered it. Cause I had to have been like 13 or 14. I, don't, I did not have a credit card, obviously. 
Cause I, well, maybe I did. I don't. I did not. Somebody sneaked into Dad's wallet. No, I think I think I probably asked my parents to order it for me. Um, and it was a bootlegged T-shirt that had the album cover of Mag Earwig on it. And I think it was a large T-shirt because at that age I wore T-shirts that didn't fit me, as youths will do. Well, cause duh, the late nineties. Right. Uh, and I went to, sh- to school very proudly, like, oh, no one will know what this is. It'll be great. I will be <laughs> I will be confusing everyone. How good is this song, by the way? It's a great song. So epic. It's so epic. Yeah, that's two and a half minutes long. No band does epic in two and a half minutes, like Guided by Voices, man. Doesn't need to be longer. Anyway, so you wore this shirt. Yeah, and this girl, uh, who I think at the time... I kind of had a crush on, though. So it was that sort of uh, middle school thing where I was mostly just like intimidated by her because she was cool, and she like turned and was like, "Oh, got up my voices. What's that?" And my response was, "It's a band." And then she turned around again, and we stopped talking. Uh, it's a band. New low level raise catchphrase. Uh, it's a band. This is my jam, guys. That's a good one. Official Iron Man rally That's song. Great. So yeah, like I feel like as as a, a young person, like my my I had a meaningful relationship with Guided by Voices, and I think the next album I bought, in fact, because I didn't like Mag Earwig. Next one I bought was Alien Lanes. It was just like, what is this? I thought the other one was weird. This is weirder. Because Alien Lanes, for those of you who don't know, is like 23 plus songs. Many it's like of, Pink Flag, kind of. Yeah. Which is, it turns out, inspired by Pink Flag. Officially, Robert Pollard has confirmed that. that yes! Yeah, I yeah, rule. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I kind of used it as a way to be like, this makes me feel better than people, right? Like, oh, if I know this and you don't, that means that I am better than you because I have access to information you don't have access to. That's how better than works, right? Such a snob. Yeah, I was a snobby kid. I had no place to be a snob. So my thing with this record at the age of 29 in the past three weeks is that I roll up at work at 5.50 in the morning just, like, blasting this record. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Every day since I started my new job. That's like No your... one's listening, but if they were, they would think it was super weird. Sure. Eventually, I'll get tired of it. Or just super cool. And change to something else. Like, I listened to Alien Lanes and B-1000 in my car for a while recently, but then I, like, kind of latched onto this record. And, like... Probably the record that recently, like, I know the best in the shortest amount of time because I just sort of started listening to it and never stopped for some reason. It just, like, feels really right to me. This album, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's the other fun story I had from this was, and this was my favorite album for a really long time. And, like, I know it. it, I, I learned to play guitar based on this album in a lot of ways like Adam Eyes which is a Tobin Sprout song uh, in some ways the better songwriter in the band 
I got into Guided by Voices. Maybe we talked about this on the air, actually. Oh, through Tobin Sprout? Through Tobin yeah. Sprout and through the Bob Pollard side project, Airport 5. Right. Which, is which a- I got into through Tom Sharpling and The Best Show. Yep. From 2002 when he was playing it. Because you, you brought up that song, and I was like, I think I own that record for some reason. I have told the story because we yeah. played that parts <laughs> of that record on the air. And that album is uh, Tobin Sprout wrote the music and then sent it to, to Bob Pollard, who just sang on it. Be a carrier pigeon. Yeah. Exactly. Be a rock carrier pigeon. Anyway. Most pigeons go, uh, what's the noise a pigeon makes? Do, do pigeons make noise? They don't really make noise, do they? I think they coo. That's how most pigeons sound. The rock pigeon goes, which is a cool guitar lick. That's a fun joke I just made. Um, But yeah, so the, like one of the most exciting things that ever happened to me was when I got to see Gotta by Voices when I was pretty young. I think I was like 15 or 16. Because my cool half, uh, I was going to say my my cool half-brother. He's my brother. I just called it, uh, Nate, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry that I had to specify that you're my half-brother. He never brother says that. For no real reason. To me. He always just calls you his brother. Yeah. Oh, that's I so... think we're doing over-specificity oh. because of this show. Oh. My brother Nathan is one of the coolest and best people that I know. And uh, I feel really bad about that. Um, because I never actually think of him that way. But yeah, he took me to see Gotta Be Voices. This is so cool. He took me to see Gotta Be Voices at a rock uh, club when I was like 15. It was great. And was, Super cool yeah. brother. And uh, we went to uh, a coffee shop called Comet, which is now like a sort of fancy bar. It still sells sandwiches and food and stuff. Um, and like it's it's real fancy now but at the time it was just kind of like a, a dirty little coffee shop that had really good sandwiches and you could smoke in it so it smelled terrible but it was great and we, we went there for sandwiches before the uh, the concert and they were playing all of Under the Bushes Under the Stars heck yeah and I couldn't have been more excited to hear like the thing I'm going to go see before I go see it. Dude, that would still make me really excited right now. Right? Like that's in 2014. A, that's a really exciting thing. Part of it is that I feel like the the concert scene in Milwaukee was not like at its best in 1998. I could be wrong about that. Maybe it's just because I was 15. <laughs> I feel like maybe it's a bad, not a good position to speak from. Not a good place of knowledge. But like, uh, I feel like it was very exciting that Gatabay Voices were in town. It was like, it's like the, you know, you're a small town and the carnival's coming through. A small town? It's a small town in like the 19th century. The circus is in town. Yeah, man. Hooray. I still like to talk about the fact that Black Alicious played my hometown. <laughs> Good Lord. Which oh. has a population of like 10K. Excuse me. And they were famous and they played at the Vets Hall a block from my house. That's Gift of Gab is one of the guys, right? I don't even remember. That sounds right. Yeah, uh, for those of you just checking in, we've got uh, Guided by Voices Under the Bushes, Under the Stars playing in the background as we talk about music that is important to both of us. 
The answer to the question, is this too distracting, is no. That's fine. Okay, good. I think it's fun. We won't, we won't listen to the... We won't re- put it on repeat. Although it's kind of tempting. Ah, oh, but songs are good. We have other songs to talk about. That's true. Yeah, maybe we should uh, like, listen to a couple more songs. Like Wire. Oh, we never talked talk about, about Wire, yeah. a song we okay. played an hour ago. Yeah, so we did start off the show listening to Low Down by Wire. Uh, I want to learn how to play the bass on that we'll song so bad. It's, it's, it'll be fun. Um, we're both we're learning how to play together music. That sounded really... I don't like that. We're learning how to play music together. There we go. That's better. Follow up to the one of the fun facts from last week. What was that? Is that we are oh, yeah, playing sorry. songs together. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so... The thing I have about Wire, and specifically the album Pink Flag, is it's one of those albums when I heard it, I was like, oh, of course this exists. Like, of course this is a thing. Like, it was just, it was, it was like, it filled a clear gap in my music world where just like, oh, yeah, I liked punk music for a long time. Like, you know, probably all throughout high school. But I never really liked this sort of more self-serious punk music because it felt kind of... Um, How can you not also think that this song is just straight That's up great. awesome? That's really good. Listen to those guitars, man. <laughs> it's so yeah, it's so good. Whatever. No, it's great. I'm that's that's I'm complimenting it by singing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I can never tell. I just have a mocking tone all the time. But no, like what's interesting to me about that is that I had the same experience with Wire just way, way, way later. When. I listened to the record and felt super robbed that I hadn't, no one had ever told me about them. Yeah. What's well, like a thing? Until I met you. And if, I was like, seriously, yeah. this is like the thing that was made for me to like. Right. I'm furious. Well, well, I mean, if you missed it, too that bad. I'm a but, 27 year old who has never heard Wire before. Right. Like, what is wrong? Well, because it's one of those albums that's like considered a very important punk album, but it, punk in like kind of a is this punk kind of way? Like, is this really punk or is it kind of its own thing? Is it, is it already post-punk? Even though that doesn't make any sense historically. Yeah, I really hate the punk-post-punk divide. That yeah, no like his, yeah. I, I tend to really, really not like how historical cultural discussions of, especially late seventies British punk go, because everybody says dumb things about it all the time. Here's a good example for for why this album, why Pink Flag is so important. That was a, that was a bad radio move. I moved my mouth away from the mic as I was talking. Here's what I'm going to do. I have to pick something up off the ground. I'm going to take a break and grab it and then I'll be back in a second. Alright, that's done. So to put it in context, uh, I had an argument with a girl I was in friends with in high school who I think I, I, I had a bit of a crush on. So many girls and crushes. Well, yeah, I was a kid. And yeah. arguing with them yeah. in a really jerky way. Well, is it that surprising really? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Um, but she was a really big fan of Radiohead, who I I, I was like, it was a band that I, I like. I'm like, oh, this is obviously good. Like when I listened to Radiohead when I was uh, 16, I'm like, this is clearly good music. I just didn't really care about it for whatever reason. Uh, probably because it was everyone else liked it. So I was just like, huh, well, what's the point? 
If everyone likes it. I still don't understand why everybody thinks that OK Computer is the greatest Radiohead record. Right. Because it's clearly amnesiac. I'm just going to put that out there. I liked Kid A. That was the one I I actually did like a lot. Um, But we're going to talk about, at some point, maybe over the next few weeks, when this show drags out to be like seven hours of music talk, why I like things like amnesiac better than things like Kid A. Just a marathon of, of music talk. We have all this music we want to talk about. But yeah, so so we were arguing about Radiohead, and I was just like, I, I was just basically expressing my indifference, and I thought they were, uh, I thought that they sacrificed the things I like about rock music on sort of like the altar of complexity. That's a horrible metaphor, but like they, they Radiohead songs tend to be very musically complex. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't go with the typical rock one four five stuff. For those of you who are versed in music theory, um, and like, it was hard for me to explain why I thought that simple and sort of minimal could be more artistically interesting than things that were sort of overloaded and complicated. Um, Confused complexity. Right, which I mean, I don't, I don't even think Radiohead are confused complexity. I think it's just that's not the kind of thing that my my brain tends to latch onto, and I'm not wrong. And I feel like when I first heard Pink Flag, I was like, no, this is what I wanted, both from punk music and from music that is uh, has an artistic statement to make that it is aware of. Because I feel like Wire went into music with a very clear idea of what they were trying to do and nailed it. In a way that was really unusual for bands. And then that. just... Yeah. They pieced out. They're like, dusted yeah. off their hands, yeah. and they're like, I'm going to do another record. It's going to be totally different, and another record, and it's going to be totally different, and then I'm going to go on Hades yeah, like for the, a hell of a long time. The, 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 the historically important thing about Wire is that they came in in 77, they dropped Pink Flag on the world, and the world was like, what? And then a year later, they dropped Chairs Missing on the world, and the world's like, wait, but we still haven't. And then in 1979, they dropped 154 that sounded completely different. And the world's like, wait, hold on. And then they just broke up. Bye. 154 sounds to me still like it came out in, like, I don't know, 1982, yeah. 3. Yeah. Not, it, like, 79. No, it actually probably suffered in some ways because it was... I mean, like, ahead of its time, sure. There's some there's some clunkers on that album that I can forgive. I don't um, even care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's fine. But, yeah. Also, people who want to talk mad trash about post-154 Wire. Come at me. Come at, yeah. well, come at us. Get out. I had a lot to say to you about how Object 47 is actually really awesome. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of those late records. Send. Super awesome. I used to listen. I used Record to, of the summer. Send I, an object forty seven. We're both kind of that. I bl- when I, I used to have a, a truck job in Milwaukee because I'm a tough blue collar, big sort. fancy truck driver. Yeah, driving a box truck around Milwaukee, and I would blast send all the time and just drive furiously. When like, I was doing my was two hours of commuting a day earlier this summer, which would make anyone I hope angry. A lot of blasting of sand on the expressway. 
I just accidentally uh, was trying to click on Skype, uh, which is another way of me bringing up the fact that nobody's calling in. So if you have music that you care about, it doesn't have to be the music we're talking no, about. Absolutely not. Contact us on Skype at Low Level Rage. Accent stuff that matters to you. Opened up my Super Nintendo emulator. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm really tempted to play Load Runner while we're talking about. Actually, let's oh. see if I actually have Load Runner on here. We can't do it because I want to actually like no. just do that. I thought that it was it was there was a an SNES version of Load Runner, but there may not be. I only After ever played all. it on the PC. Yeah, same. I played on my Apple IIe. I'm very old. Um, World people, if you remember Load Runner, not the weird Nintendo one, but the one where you just like Indiana Jones it around and solve puzzles. This song always sounded. Holla. This song always sounded like a an REM song to me when I was younger. I've listened to significantly more guided by voices yeah. than I have REM. Um, I I also did like REM for a long time, and it, I will point out. Uh, I have of, no beef. I'm just yeah. ignorant. Guided by Voices' first EP sounded a lot like R.E.M. Like, a lot. Almost uncomfortably so. That's a fun music fact for you guys. I don't know why I sound like I'm having trouble talking right now. But I'll stop. Yeah, so maybe we should play a couple more songs? We should probably play some music that isn't just this record. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, 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 wait, no, oh, or uh, we have a caller. We're going to welcome Emma to Low Level Rage. You're on the air. Hey, Emma. Hi. You're, you're double welcome to Low Level Rage. Oh, yes, that's nice. Just Thank re- you. to remind everyone else who wasn't in the chat, Greg is half welcomed. Emma's double welcomed. And I'm double welcome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, yeah, you're double welcome. <laughs> oh, I don't oh. like that laugh that I just <laughs> let out. Yeah, it wasn't good. I feel like one of the theme the <laughs> themes of this show is me say like making a noise or doing something and then instantly regretting instantly it. Instantly being really mad at myself. And like saying it like sort of, you know, like um under your breath, but we can all hear you. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, like that. I mean, yeah. I'm it's starting to get to the point where I'm like I think my heavy sighing is training <laughs> him to just internalize it. <sighs> Is this, because I'm doing less of the heavy side. Is this like healthy? Is this healthy for me? Is this show healthy for me? Because I feel like maybe that's. I think a bad... it's causing you to reflect upon yourself. Yeah, I'm growing. That's Which good. is never good. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I should be. <laughs> I I really should emulate sociopaths more and just never never question anything I do. Just be a 13 year old again. Yeah. Uh, it's a band. Um, it's a band. <laughs> A band, the most important thing in the world. Right. Yeah. Just like, oh, I can't believe you didn't know it was a band. You haven't heard of this band? <laughs> you, you, you fellow 13 year old? <laughs> yeah. Why doesn't a 13 year old know? Wait, uh, who was it? It was Gotta 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 Voices. Voices. Yeah. <laughs> you are the weird one in this situation. Oh, no. Yeah. I was being an asshole. I was being a weird asshole. That's basically, yeah. yeah. Even, like, Tim you know, Schaefer, the autobiography. Yeah. Right. Tim Schafer, I was being a weird asshole. The autobiography. <laughs> you didn't know any better, though. Uh, did did I, you? The thing is, I kind of did know better, is the sad <laughs> thing. I knew I was being a jerk. Aw. <laughs> so so what, yeah. what, what's up, Emma? Uh, Michael in the chat is accusing you of being big into Dave Matthews. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's, like, the only thing I listen to. Is that true? No, no, not oh. really. Damn. Yeah, just like blasting the did Lily you, White did sessions. You, did you go through a, DM, a DMB phase? 
I mean, my mom and dad had that one CD, uh, Crash, I guess. Sure. So uh, Crash was just... on. What was Crash on? Sorry, let me interrupt you. But while I'm thinking of what album that was on. I don't remember. Oh, I wanted to pull that so bad. The album was called Crash. Yeah, was it was it? the title track. Was it Crash? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, Man. wow. I, just I only know this because I was just talking to somebody who is actually still legit into Dave Matthews Band. Oh. And we were talking about the Crash slash Busted Stuff era. I just like the uh, the song Two Step. Probably the point, song. sadly, where they were actually the least bad. I would almost play Two Step on this show. Don't you dare. It's a what? good song. Not right now. It's got like, it's, it, it, it's got like a fun. It's got like a two minute build to it. It's a really uh, like slow build. You know, it gets. It's like real. Like, oh, where's this going? Where's this going? And then it like hits, and you're like, yeah, all right. We can have jam band night, it's, but it's not Dave tonight. Time. I still don't know what song it is, but wait, what's it called again? Two step. Two step. Okay, I might look it up afterwards. That's that's Tim's DMB pick of the month. <laughs> okay, of the day. You mean. Well, yeah, I'll have another one tomorrow, probably. <laughs> It'll just be ants marching or something like that, probably. So. No, I was just forced to listen to that song recently. Emma, save me by telling me what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Just ignore it. It's hard. I have a lot of practice. Um, yeah, so anyway, I guess I wanted to call in about, like, if you guys feel like you still feel the same way about music as you used to, because I feel like I definitely went through a phase in, like, uh, high school where I just, like, felt a lot str- more strongly about yeah. bands I liked, and I, like, kind of wish I could get that feeling back, but, I, and, I, like, I, yeah, because I was sort of wondering if it, like, has to do with, like, riding on, like, the school bus and staring out the window like early in the morning. I feel like that's where I really would like think. Oh, about no. Mm. Yeah, no, that's like it's a thing where it's like there is a little, Lauren, I'll let you answer this first. Um, I agree with you that I feel much less strongly about music now than I did when I was up till like 22 or 23. And then I started sort of just being like, I still enjoy things. and I still feel strongly about things, but not in the same sort of like visceral way that I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, Lauren, I'll, I'll throw the I'll throw the gauntlet to you. It, that's not a correct use of that phrase at all, but that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I talked about this a little bit earlier. It's weird for me because I never had that engagement with music as a very young person. Yeah, um, probably not until I was about eighteen. And I, in this is something that I hope that we'll be able to talk about at some point later, I don't really tend to engage with music in a, in a really visceral way with rare exceptions. And when those rare exceptions occur, I still get that like crazy tingly feeling Uh where like you feel actually like for me, it's like kind of nauseating. Like I don't really like feeling that, it's like physically overwhelming on a kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it happens pretty rarely, but it still does happen. And then I'm like really into something for a while. But my relationship with music is fairly specific and strange, so I'm not sure. Maybe yeah, like maybe you get over it if you do it a lot as a kid. I don't know. Here's the thing: it's, it, I think it's interesting to talk about. I don't know if this is gonna like exclude you, Lauren. In which case, we can not talk about it. But like, 
I feel like there were certain things I did as a kid with music that I no longer do that like I use it as sort of a uh, almost like medicine when I was younger in some ways right like I, I had a lot of trouble sleeping so I'd always listen to music when I went to bed mm-hmm. and it was very important that it had to be the right album where I couldn't sleep and I don't feel like like I, I would listen to it like on the way to school and it was yeah. important it would like set the tone for the day in a way that isn't as important anymore. Like I, it, I can't have my day ruined by listening to the wrong album these days, and I kind of miss it in a way. Like it was sort uh-huh. of it was interesting that it had that much power when I was sixteen or twenty, and now it's just kind of like it's important to me. Obviously, like I listen to the fall all the time because it makes me happy and because I care about what that crazy Englishman has to say. But uh, like, it's not like a thing that can just ruin my day or make my day the right. way it used to. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is good in some ways because it means it's like I'm more stable, right? Yeah. It probably just means like I, I'm not as emotionally volatile as I used to be, which is good. Yeah. Uh, not that I was like, you know, like a hell child or anything, but, you know, <laughs> teens, right? <laughs> they they're just they got a lot they got a lot going on in their heads. I don't know what they're thinking. Right, teens? <laughs> what are they up to these days? I have no idea. Who even knows? Uh huh. Razor scooters? Probably razor scooters. EDM and razor scooters. That's mostly what teens <laughs> yeah. are into. Oh, just, we are getting old. Just Skrillex and Scootin'. That's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> thanks for the call, Emma. Alright, thanks guys. Have a good <laughs> night. Later. Bye. I say nighter as a as a as a farewell sometimes. Is that weird? Yeah. Okay. Is it okay? Yeah. Because it just kind of comes out of me now. That's fine. All right. Nighter. It's nice. It's nice. It's a nice little. You know. It's not really a word, but. My problem oh, with this record so... right now is that. This is the sad part of the record. No, is that. It's hard for me not to just listen to it all the way through. Six-pack rings round his neck. Cock of the block. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. Yeah! There he goes. So, fun fact. This was the... Uh, the the first Get Out My Voice's first run as a band because they've gotten met together at least once now. This was the last song they played because mm. it's perfect for that, right? What makes daddy happy? Oh, what makes a song. And like this is uh, my brother and I used to talk about Bob Pollard's lyrics a fair amount, where like we would because you know he got a lot of crap, which you you may not know, for being like kind of. Zach, I'm Zach. sorry, Zach. Are you okay, Zach? Like he's like dropping shoes. <laughs> Zach, do you have wild animals loose in your house? Is that what's happening? I was, uh, I was fidgeting with some stuff. Oh, that's fine. Okay. Uh, how's How it going? How's it going? Welcome to. You're on the air. Oh, you're, wonderful. You're on the air. Low level rage. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm doing well. I just got back from a week in Las Vegas. Oh. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I, I, I would choose you, to go to, but I was. Uh, can you comically like? Pull your pockets out of your pants and show that they're empty right now. <laughs> Lost wages. <laughs> oh, hey. Uh, that's a fun pun. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, just to finish the thought, uh, like my brother and I would debate Bob Pollard, not debate, but like talk about like, Don't are his lyrics just like now. random Don't imagery? And he pointed now. to this song. He's like, uh, how's it start off? Um, like talking about a rooster on his block that's got a six pack of rings around his neck. That's clearly just a thing he saw. Like that just uh-huh. happened. And he described it. It sounds weird because we live in the Midwest. I was literally thinking about that lyric earlier this morning. Like random things happen when you live in like a medium sized city in the Midwest. I also love this song. Killers. This song made me sad because it was. Wig out. It's like just the, killer wig it's, out. It's the end of the album. It makes me sad. But I, I thought it. you said that it's like Soul Man made you think that. Well, yeah, because it's... Well, yeah, they both kind of have that effect. Because, yeah. Hours of Hearts is one of my favorite songs on this record. But yeah, Zach, uh, welcome to the music show. Um, yeah. I hope you're enjoying yourself. I am. I hope you are comfortable. I am. Uh, but not too comfortable. I'm, I'm two beers deep. Oh, perfect. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's... Uh, that's a like, perfect number of beers. My, a low-level rage-sponsored number right. of beers. For, for those of you playing your first show Anything really band, between 2 and 10, yeah, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Good advice given to me by my friend Jason. If you're going on for your first show as a band, have two drinks before the show. So you're just the right level of looseness. More than that, you're probably going to be kind of shitty if it's your first show. Less than that, you'll be all nerves, right? Two two drinks. Yeah, per, uh, I can only speak to karaoke, but I actually like to sing Stone Cold Sober. Oh, interesting. Got to focus. Yeah. That's that. Yeah, and I, you're I, a killer. I feel like I have a better uh, feel of like, I don't know. I just have a better feeling of how I'm interacting with the room if I'm sober rather than if I'm drinking. We got to suss it out. You got to feel the, You got you got to get a feel for the room. Right. Like, is this a Hank Williams crowd? Is this is this is this a, a a crowd that would would be into Kiss from a Rose? Um, or maybe they I want like a crowd that's not into a Kiss from a Rose. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Like that's if you start Kiss from a Rose, and I knew it. You just like you walk away with the mic. You just take the mic and leave because they don't deserve it. That's they a don't, power move. Yeah, well, it is, but you, you you gotta you gotta really just walk out with your head held high. Yeah. And you point to it and you say, you see this? This is mine now. Have a good night, everybody. And then you just leave. What were your characters? So I was going to talk have, about music. Yeah, yeah. We, we, well, first, first uh, I, have we talked about your karaoke jams on, on the show before? Yes, we did. That was actually my uh, Okay, good. Call. All right, good. I thought so. Although recently I've been doing uh, Major Tom Coming Home by Peter. Sh- it's either Schiller or Schilling. I can never remember. Is that's that, a good one. Is that a I, is that a space I, space theme song or is that like a, a yes. okay good? Oh, it's like a is it like a reaction song to uh, uh, space I think, oddity or? I guess it is. I don't know. I I was actually wondering if it's considered canon or not. Oh right, because I think he just kind of gets lost in space and he he says he's coming home, but you never know if he actually does. Side side note as well, this song. Uh, big boring wedding by Guided by Voices is clearly just about a big boring wedding. <laughs> it's it's just him being like, "This is what it's like to be at a wedding where you." I don't also give love a this shit. song. I kind of could say that about most of the songs on this record. Yeah. I've come to thank you for such delicious pie. He just walked up to the to the bride and said, "Thank you for such delicious pie." 
but yeah, so Zach, uh, what's your so that's your new karaoke jam? And do you have any fun, uh, deep music thoughts for us? Uh, maybe you know. Uh, I don't know why it is, but personally, I have always been more um, interested in instrumental music. I mean, there's plenty of like rock and and rap music and stuff that I like, but um, I've always just been more drawn to non-vocal music. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, like yeah, what? DJ Shadow's introducing is my favorite. Oh, oh, that's a great one. Music has the right to children by Boards of Canada and yeah. a close second. And then my favorite artist of all time, and this is kind of like it. It has been, you know, I could have said this for many times since when I was like fourteen or fifteen. Average now. white band. <laughs> yeah, uh, it starts with an A. It's Aphex Twin. Oh, oh, how excited are you? You're real ex- excited. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> talk myself out of pre-ordering the limited edition vinyl because i don't actually have any use for it or a record player or anything like that but that's yeah. no that's this is a great topic because it's like a thing where i it i you know i uh i played classical music as a kid but f- until i was probably like 19 or so i i think i only listened to like song like like pop song with vocals yeah that yeah, yeah. Which, which i would say like when i say pop song i should say like be clear, I, I would include things like Guided by Voices because it's like right. there are verses and choruses, and there's someone singing hooks and stuff, you know. Um, but so like, and I, I remember when I was first kind of getting into music, and there was a good you know alternative rock radio station in Portland, and um, but the, it was kind of when like like Chemical Brothers and the Prodigy were both coming into awareness in the u.s and uh i started kind of getting in on a little bit of that and that was kind of my gateway into the the better stuff i would say like the like your dj shadows and your yeah. twins and stuff like that and it's never it's never really left me well yeah it's a thing where it's like um i those were both like especially boards of canada and apex twin were super important to me when i was probably around 20 to 24 and like mm-hmm. trying to make that kind of music on my own and making like a really, you know, obviously terrible version of that kind of music. Right, but right. like it still do occasionally, but then it was like, oh, this is just a thing I'm doing as a hobby and it like is not really worth my time in the right. same But you know, point being, it, it's a thing where especially sample based music was really exciting to me at that age because yeah. it was a different way of interacting with the things I listened to. And mm-hmm. like DJ Shadow, that was the first like it's always talked about as like what the the first like entirely sampled album or whatever but like i don't really know what that means and there's stuff that used samples in the 60s so i i don't know what that yeah the qual you know what the rule is for that um but like I, my thing with that was like once i realized that you could use it as a way to sort of interact with music that you love in a different and meaningful way that really changed the way i interacted with that with like stuff like dj shadow and like boards of canada um, does that make sense? Like, I, I like, I, and and like, even just knowing that those things were samples was kind of mind blowing. Like, wait, you yeah, made you made sure. this coherent sounding song out of things that you just listened to, and then repositioned. You know, right. right. Um. Also, here's the thing with the Apex when album that's coming so- out. That Analord stuff was really good, and I feel like people just forgot about it. Well, you know, it came out on Reflex Records, which might not okay. have the same distribution as Warp. Yeah, um, but oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's they're they're all good. Um, right, it's a it's a really good eleven or so EPs or whatever. Um, it's like three albums it, worth of music. It's kind of interesting, like his his 
kind of loathing for for people so it, it's pretty clear that he like wants money or something like yeah, that but no. it also sounds like he just has lots of albums that he can release at will yes and uh we're, we're lucky enough to be getting one but um i don't know if you heard that uh that caustic window album that finally came out that had to you know they had to raise like thousands of dollars on kickstarter to even just to, just get to, to see the light to, of day. to get him to release it basically like is that was that the idea is that he just refused to release it unless they gave him a bunch of money more or less no well it wasn't even him it was i think a few copies were pressed but no and somebody just had it up on Discogs for like a few thousand dollars because it's an Apex Twin rarity. Right. Um, that's gonna command a high price. Um, yeah. So so finally, uh, some and uh, and another testament to Apex Twin's fan base is that there is an Apex Twin message board that's still going strong <laughs> and can raise thousands of dollars in this, you know, in 2014. Yeah. So they uh, paid whoever had it up on Discogs for it. It's funny because I, I still like to imagine he was just holding it hostage, and was just like, "Unless you give me a hundred thousand right. dollars, I'm not going to release this album." <laughs> like somebody who is rumored to live in a bank vault and uh, drives a tank tank around. That's yeah. Both those are probably not entirely true, but they probably are both kind of true. Also, there's probably some sort of weird truth to both of those things. Uh, but yeah, I've never, I've never I don't heard it. No, I don't. I, I I like to imagine every rumor about him is true. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, again, even today, mo- most of what I listen to is of the electronic persuasion. Okay. And the instrumental persuasion. I listen to a lot of stuff like that, but not, not quite the same genres. We both, uh, despite my silence in this conversation, I am familiar with them. I'm, I'm, yeah. I will say that. Um, I, I mean, I like pretty much everything. I've ever heard from Boards of Canada, and I've listened to most of most everything they've ever released. I think, pretty mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but like the album, the the song that I'll put on when I'm just super bummed out and need to immediately feel better is Roy G. Biv because I think it's like the perfect. It's like a perfect song, which Tim and oh, I have yeah. agreed is the best Boards of Canada song. I, I yeah, I think it still might be my favorite, and it's so silly. It's like a, it like feels like like a lightweight song in some ways. I'm like, yeah, but it's just everything about it is perfect. And there's a lot of emotive feeling behind everything. Actually, my favorite song of theirs is like 45 seconds long. And it's just like a couple riffs, yep. but it, it like makes me feel so, uh, you know, it, it, it evokes such emotion in me. Well, they, I, mean, I guess yeah. uh, the, the question that came up earlier of like, do you still engage with music in the same way as you did? Uh, when you were younger, and I, I would say that the fact that I don't uh, smoke marijuana anymore has kind of... <laughs> it's like dead, you know, dead, it's it, deadened you to music a little bit? <laughs> I mean, a little bit. I, I can't rule that out. Oh, no. Because, you know, you know, I don't know what your relationships with marijuana are, but it kind of makes all music better. Lauren would, would I think, uh, I want to speak for you, but um, yeah, I'll let you speak for yourself on that one. I don't want to, you know... Step on your toes. I don't step on your marijuana toes. <laughs> oh, I mean, I. It it's not part of my life. Yeah, this is super awkward. Oh, we don't have to talk about it. It's fine. All right. Yeah. All right. We 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 will. We <laughs> Music will, is pretty much we'll the defer. same for me all the time. We'll defer. Yeah. Every day. Um, so I don't really know what that feeling's like. I live in a twenty four seven weed haze, man. It's just. <laughs> it's just like, there's like a bubble yeah. around me that's that's just that's just. Thick with Kush. 
<laughs> okay, and then when I did smoke weed, my friends got into Dave Matthews enough that they dragged me to a concert, and that was just god awful. Like I, uh, th there were a bunch of people around in sleeping bags, <laughs> laying on, <laughs> like in the concert venue, sleeping while. <laughs> what the hell? Playing. Like I, I was, I was upset, but I was also like, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. It's like, it's like, like it's somebody who just wants music to be like. Uh, like a hug. This is just like right, a nice hug. Right. I don't really want anything else from it. Just, just a little bit of assurance while I nod off from life. I just right. check out from life. A permanent nap. Ugh. Well, thanks, Zach. That's a great call. Yeah. My... yeah. Good night. Good night. Good night. Like I think we should. We're getting close to the end of this album, but we, I think we should maybe play a few more non-Gotta Be Wasted songs. We gotta play, yeah, we gotta play at least two more songs so we can talk a little bit about a couple more bands, and we're gonna have to, like, do music show part two after we do Low yeah. Level Rage in the Freaky Woods. I will say... Because for those of you who weren't here at the beginning of the show, we're going camping next week. We may or may not. We won't have a regular low-level rage. We may try to broadcast from the Freaky Woods. I'm still... Uh, At least one person has voted as being on board with this. Side note, uh, I am officially reserving in the Freaky Woods as the EP name. The, the, the name for my, for my band, Breadwives' first EP. It will be called In the Freaky Woods. That was my idea. It was, it was her idea. And it's going to be get, great. I get credit... For horrible well girl. It's true, which is the name of my uh, myself as a video producer. And that was the plug segment on this show. But you can't find me on the internet by that name, so it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Don't search for Breadwives and don't listen to my band. Do watch my videos though, because yeah. they're sweet. Yeah, they are really good. Uh, sort of play a few songs after this song is over. Dose songs. Sheet Kickers by. Gotta be voices, and then we'll hear a couple of songs that aren't gotta be voices and talk about them. Oh, this record's so good. It's great. I'm really happy to listen to it. To sort of listen to it while I also try to talk. I think it might have been more distracting for you than it was for me. Just because every no. day in my car I've been listening to it. I was it. fine with it. I mean, it's, 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 it's an album I'm intimately familiar with. <laughs> Music. <laughs> Uh, Wait, you move those on. No way, it's over now. Uh oh, you gave it away. No. Oh, I don't care, it's fine. Somebody caved. Yeah. I caved. Hey guys. Hi. Welcome back. Welcome to the uh, the music show. The music On Low Level Rage. The music appreciation episode of Low Level Rage. Episode one. Yeah. Um. So we heard 
the Mountain Goats with best ever death metal band. I always want to say out of Denton, but it's not. It's just best ever death metal band. Correct. I think was probably a very specific choice because he's a very specific choice kind of guy. And before that, Bedhead with the end of the day. Oh, the rest of the day. Oh, damn it. It's my favorite song ever. It's the rest of the day from their album Beheaded. Yes, the band is called Bedhead. And yes, the album is called Beheaded. Did you mention All Hail West Texas? Or did I did I, not. I just uh, checked oh, out. Man, let me read it. I'm going to call a mulligan on that one. Uh, rewind. Uh, all right. All right, we're back. And uh, we just heard the Mountain Goats with the best ever death metal band. That's from their album. Oh, damn it. What's the album called? Oh. All Hail West Texas. All right, one more time. One more time. All right. Oh, hey, you're back with Low Level Rage. What did we just hear? Oh, that's uh, right. We heard the Mountain Goats with the best ever death metal band. That's from their album All Hail West Texas. Before that, Bedhead with the rest of the day from their LP Beheaded. And now back to the show. All right. Third try. That's a charm right there. Look. I've never been trained in how to do a show. I try my best. Lauren can attest to this. I try my best. You don't have to attest to it. If you, you don't I think to. he tries. I'll take that. That's fine. That's what I can see from here. Yeah. Intersubjectivity, my friends. It's true. It's a problem. I think that he tries. I don't really try that hard. It's the funny thing about it. Uh... Well, I wasn't going to call you a lazy POS <laughs> on the air. Oh, I love it. Coasting through life. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. We have 11 minutes left in the program <laughs> if you're going to talk, talk. Okay. So, Bedhead. Um, when I was in college at the University of Wisconsin. I feel like one of the things that was very important to me was getting into quiet music. Music that is like quiet and slow and kind of deliberate. And that was a band that was very much about sort of space and music. Um, they use polyphony, like there's individual guitar parts that interweave. And it's music that like when I was 16 I would have been like this is boring when I was 20 it was exactly the thing I wanted to hear it was just stuff that was about the space between things and letting notes sort of ring and sort of subtlety in a way that I wasn't able to gauge with a younger age and that's sort of like become less important to me in a weird way where mm -hmm. like now I actually like value uh, abrasiveness and kind of like jagged edges on things. Lack of subtlety as exemplified by, oh, say, The Fall. Right. Like The Fall have no none of that. There's none of that to The Fall at all. Not subtle. But it's weird. Doesn't mean stupid, but no. definitely not subtle. And I think that had to do with the fact that I was uh, like incredibly unhappy in college. 
It may have been the, the worst time of my life. It's supposed to be the best time of your life. Eh, not so much. That's that's, that's, that's a, lot a load of, of garbage. A lot of hooey, yeah. But like, it, it is a lot of hooey. Yeah. Um, but like, it, it was something about music like Bedhead and Low. Um, even I remember like listening to Mogwai and feeling that because they 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 have a lot of space. They use space wisely in their songs. At times it gets really abrasive, but also, like, it's patient music. Heck yeah. In episode two, installment two of the music show, we are going to talk about post-rock. Because yeah, I have a lot of things to say about it. Big post-rock segments. So look forward to so that. So if you love post-rock, tune in. Tell if your you post hate post-rock, listen to it and start liking post-rock. Hey, is your dad into Not post-rock? Not just for white dudes anymore. Call, call grandpa into the room. Call grandma, too. It's a post-rock party on the level rage. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most like pernicious things in uh, American culture is this idea that like you should be just ecstatic to be alive constantly in college, right? Like, it, this is tangential, but let's fine. It's just like it, thumbs down. Just give me like five minutes to talk about the mountain goats. Yeah, well. All right, I'm, I'm on uh, I got three minutes left uh, to go on my weird bedhead rant. But yeah, okay, anyway. The bands that are really important to me at certain points in my life often have to do with the way I think about making music and also with listening to music. And bedhead, I was like, oh, these are clearly sort of rock songs, but their intent is different and the goal is different. Like, they're not using chunky chords they're not using these big sort of poppy choruses. It's something where you have to sort of lean into the music a bit to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it didn't occur to me that was a thing you could even really try to do. And like that song, the rest, of the the rest of the day is like this very sort of quiet, pretty, folky song, and then gets in this sort of soaring coda. Uh, and I feel like it's a song that strangely works best on the second listen when you know it's going to happen because you anticipate it. Mm-hmm. So you you basically like become complicit in its action, right? It's really smart. It's mm-hmm. smart in a way that I wasn't like I wasn't really aware that you could write a song like that before I listened to Bedhead. It didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um. And like it, it, they also use singing in a way that I wasn't really used to. Like he, he they, they thought of singing as a part, as like another instrument, as opposed to being the focus of the band, right? Which you can definitely once you know that it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think that's that's something that is it changed the way I thought about trying to write songs and the way I listen to songs because I feel like I'm much more likely to give a singer credit for blending in well even when it's not necessarily someone with a memorable voice. Because mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to use your voice. It's sort of rare. And that's all I have to say about Bedhead right now. Other than like, that song uh, in reference to what Zach was talking about still gives me a like euphoric feeling at times. I never want the coda to end. I want it to keep going mm-hmm. and just keep building there's something about it. It's it's so bright and like 
um, it feels like it's a well-earned thing. I like when songs like make you have to kind of work for a part, and you get to that part, and it's just like, yes, this is the time. <laughs> this part's happening now. Right. I deserve this. Right, which it's is something great. that I would in the future like to talk about with the way that post-rock often works. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I brought up the, it's like, it's a thing that that's what I, that's my, you know, way of right. with you on post-rock. Um, so. For me, that will end up being much more, it'll, it'll be different because like part of what I like about post-rock is that nobody's messing around with words. Like, we won't talk about it now. Um, and and we can say post rock and related genres because there's a lot of other stuff in there for me in the mix that's in some ways more important to me than anything, any music that's made with words. But for the last like couple of minutes of the program, I wanted to talk about the Mound Goats, the other band with Destroyer that does use words that has been with me for a very long time since my freshman year of college as people are saying in the chat a very dark time um, for a lot of us and with the mountain goats it really ultimately is about I think the humanity of the narratives and also the fact that like John Daniel brings to narrative the compassion and and sort of like the emotions that you expect of singer songwriters while directing it away from himself in a lot of ways. It's not self-centered music and he's not self-centered. Singer songwriters are self-centered and I hate it. I hate that. I don't like singer songwriters. I don't like people who do that in their music and he's never been that. And I think that that's why people have really, and like huge diverse groups of people. I've been to like many mountain goat shows and they have gotten weirder over the years as the crowd gets more diverse because lots of people feel like the songs that JD writes speak to them because they're meant to and they're not about it's not universal. They're not about alienation. They're not about. It's not universal and uh, universalism. It's not like about like this song is about everybody. It's often very specific. In, they're specific, the but they're not about yeah. just him. Right. They're about people and about sort of like the universality of alienation, but not in a way that's like precious. No. Like best ever death metal band, right? Is a really good example of this. Everybody feels alienated by someone by society for their dreams at some point if they're thinking people it's comical it's serious it's you know it's you're in a death metal band at a high school like you're getting kicked out of school like he has a real sensitivity for walking the line between like it's never absurdism. Winky. It's, never, it's never winky. It's never like this absurdism is a joke. and like yeah. yeah and like and like really being sensitive to like the fact that like feelings are real and they matter. Yeah. Um, I could talk, and you know Tim's heard me do this at length about nobody's heard every single song that the Mountain Goats have released because they like tend to wiggle away into corners of the archives and you just didn't know that it got recorded. I've heard most of it. I have a lot of mountain goats 
Um, Best Driver of a Death Metal Band is a song that Tim and I have in common. And that record is one I think that people have in common. It's right at the beginning of the period where everybody listens to them. Yeah. For me, Full Force Galesburg is one of my favorite records of theirs. And that's 97. That's like a little bit early. Um, it's stuff that is so lo-fi. It is, it's not even lo-fi on purpose. It's just recording in a kitchen or whatever. But I think that with, you know, and, and the Mountain Goats are more consistent across time despite the fact that their production values have steadily gone up than, say, Destroyer, who's always trying to, like, break down and reconstruct the way that his listeners engage with him. I think that the Mountain Goats provide a very safe space for people in ways that are really unique for their listenership, and that's something that I value and continue to value. And he's funny. And he's a good writer. He's a storyteller. He's, and he's, that's not just about his he's, emotions. He's, he's it's about, fun- like, telling yeah. real narratives. He's funny in a way that never strikes me as even, like, remotely cruel. And like, Never. Like, absolutely yeah. not. I think that there's, yeah. like, so much compassion and humanity in him. And that's... I, I think even, it's really hard to, under, yeah. to, like, overvalue that. To be clear, I don't... I, I'm kind of, like, dipping my toes in the mountain goat's waters still. Um, there's something that it, 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 I made a really sick three CD compilation. No. Oh, don't! Oh, no, no, no! Oh, I'm just saying, so if you guys nice. want like a track list, I had it for so long. It was one of the first things she gave me, and I'm still just like. But if anyone wants to get hella into the mountain goats, I'm pretty proud of this thing, and I'll totally send really you the good. track list. It's really good. I can post them. Yeah. But I'm not gonna do it if nobody says they want it. It's really good though guys but like i mean the point is it's yeah it's hard because there is so much of it well th- yeah and also but it, it's it's a matter of like th- it's very emotionally upfront and like think the the thing the reason why i'm i love wire in the fall is that there is emotional content but it's you have to kind of like dig to find it mostly it's it's not like um clear what the emotional intent of a song is all the time and that sort of fits with my personality i'm not Mm -hmm. somebody who necessarily has strong sentimental feelings about things on a regular basis so it makes more sense for me and i don't think he is either but that's just that's more a part of his songwriting is it's very much like empathetic and uh, like curious about people in a way that neither Wire nor Marky e. Smith are in any comparable way. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I I don't like, and and I've I've talked about it. I don't want to like go too hard on how much I don't like singer songwriters and their sort of like fake humanity. I think that like oh, yeah. everything That's- that that. John Daniel does is extremely genuine in ways that matter because you know being genuine is not at the end of the day important no, unless what you're being genuine about matters I, I think that he's done very good things for a lot of people that I know personally and for myself in terms of like actual emotional engagement with people around you in situations that are hard to deal with and that he 
went through a lot of really bad stuff and managed to like make it into something that people could talk about and think about together and that continues to be very important to me and that I think that's why he is really special even though I don't gravitate towards that kind of music normally yeah and this I think I uh, maybe this would be like one of the, the last thoughts before we that's pretty much all I have to say on the yeah. topic. I, I think that often isn't something we've talked about that we have in common is that I will often gravitate towards a particular thing in a genre. Like I guess you can loosely put John Darnielle and the Mountain Goats in like the singer songwriter thing, but they feel like exceptional because of what you said. Like it fits in that in some aesthetic ways, but the content. So, sounds like that on the surface, right. but when once you start listening to it, it's like, well, it's clearly not. Yeah, that and like both the the Fall and Wire are are bands that they sound like punk bands at times, and then you actually spend time with it. You're like, this is doing its own. Yeah, also clearly thing. not that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure why that's important to me, but it is. It's like it's like, it, look, everyone makes use of genres. Everyone makes use of forms. You can't make art without making use of them. Because then you people other other people need to engage with what you're doing, right? And I, you know, I think that's fine. I think that's fine yeah. to. It's not just cheap subversion to push back on that. No. But I think that people like, like Wire in the Fall. Like how quiet it is right now because I turned it's off. Freaking me out! I love it. It's great. It's so it's so uh, it's personal now. I think I think that there's just a lot of like awareness of convention and then sort of. Not discarding it, but being fairly cavalier with how that comes out. Yeah, you should, I mean, at least be like, I think the point of art that, the point of art that matters to me and the part of art that matters that I try to make is that it uh, is aware of the way things work and then plays with it. Like, that's the point. Of, that's when art is interesting is when you're like, I know, I kind of, I, I try to understand how this works. I engage with, with a pre-existing format and then i also kind of butt my head against it because that's where interesting things happen i think that is true i think that's where a lot of art happens i was going to say something snide about myself and instead i'm just gonna don't cut it off there yeah this has been i think just the first episode of music show because I think we have a lot to talk about, and I hope that you guys will call and talk some more about music that you like. Hopefully post-rock. There was some some chatting in the chat about it. I have a lot to say after Freaky Woods time. I think the, the next show will be called, What Even Is Post-Rock? That's going to be the next name of the, uh, name of the next show. It will be solo hosted because I will have leaped from the window. Like, how can you be post-rock, man? Rock is still happening. Guys, maybe we'll broadcast from the Freaky Woods. I hope we can make it work. Oh, that'd be great. We'll let you know. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. In the meantime, this has been Low Level Rage. Bye.